0: This is a Crows Nest podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Damsels Who Discuss as I adjust my pop filter. I am Alexia.
1: And I'm Gally, and I have no filters for this discussion. <laughs> I'm still trying to get this into a nice, comfortable place because, unlike Gally,
0: don't go places. <laughs> Unlike Gally, I ha- I don't have a convenient, like, headset mic that's just attached to my head. I have one of the mics that when people who aren't expecting to see it on a camera see it, they go, oh, that's fancy. Even though it's not really. It's just got a- it's on an arm stand. But it does mean I kind of have to come to it. So I kind of just like rest my face on it.
1: Mm, I think what we need are theater mics so that they're just like attached to their our faces like right. Oh, next to
0: our Oh, yeah, yeah. Those super fancy
1: like. Britney Spears style mm-hmm. things, yeah. And if we can pull it off, just like Britney Spears, we can just lip sync.
0: Else. <laughs> awesome. Uh. <laughs> we just have
1: to find people that somewhat
0: sound like we've told people we sound like.
1: Ah, uh, all right. Well, that'll be difficult because there's only us in the world.
0: That is a, that is a fair point. What's new with you? Anything new with you? Have you been doing any new things?
1: I wasn't prepared to for anything new. My God. Um, An apocalypse. Uh, panic, <laughs> panic is setting in. Oh, I'm just used to my old regular life. <laughs> um, no, nothing. I don't think anything is new or noteworthy on my end. But what about you? Any, anything new in the realm of Disney for you? Actually, no. You know what? I'm all over the place. There is one thing new that's Disney related, um, because Mm -hmm. I watched a new short and I'm actually going to talk about it in this summary here. So, so there's that. So I will, I will leave that dangling. We'll hold on
0: to that. (laughs) Um, nothing new Disney related for me. Uh, I saw the Barbie movie again. That's not Disney, but it's, it's kind of like cute.
1: That's it's, it's super cute. And it's also a, uh, force of nature because i think the barbie movie as of this recording has um gotten more than a billion dollars in worldwide gross it's something
0: absolutely unreasonable and i will fully admit that like half the items on my to purchase uh list in the future are things from like the unique vintage get the look collection because they're making so have you seen the movie yet we actually haven't seen the movie yet. Okay, well, you should. But um, <clears throat> either way, there's obviously Barbie and all the Barbies in the film wear an absolute myriad of very cool clothes. <laughs> but Unique Vintage is making a bunch of Margot Robbie's Barbies outfits. Mm. Like the pink cowboy outfit. I mean, they are they're not... I will admit they're not quite movie accurate and that they don't have all the fine detailings, but a very determined person, maybe not me, but somebody who has way more finesse with like making jeans could probably enter in- the rivets to do it. But they're making that. They're making her um, pink gingham dress, this super cute pink gingham romper with the removal skirt that I need. Ooh. Yeah, and this like super adorable sailor romper. I think they're also making um, the black and white striped vintage Barbie bathing suit and like a gold jumpsuit that she wears, and I want almost everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm act- I'm on the unique vintage site, and uh-huh. uh, I guess this has now moved from a Disney to a Barbie fan cast. Yeah, sorry about it. <laughs> they're like these are pretty cool. If you were a fan of the original Barbie doll, like mm-hmm. the original Barbie yes. doll, you can totally dress up uh, for probably the reasonable price of under two hundred dollars per outfit yeah it's yeah it's
0: reasonable unreasonable it's like ups it's like upper priced fast fashion i'd say unique vintage would fall into that yeah. they price wise i put them in with like Killstar or something
1: yeah they're kind of the opposite like <laughs> they're they're kill star for your friend that prefers to hang out in a library versus <laughs> um i don't know the local uh punk club or something like that
0: i was gonna say trash can because i ran out of ideas (laughs) ouch (laughs) i don't know i mean i've
1: never done that but
0: i don't know i was in a metal band isn't that the same thing yes okay thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) sorry taking a sip of tea i had to agree
0: (laughs) yeah
1: uh yeah
0: but we can get into make my music I actually referenced Barbie in here.
1: Ooh, which is perfect. And, you know, for the listeners at home, what you also can see is Alexia took notes in a bright pink uh notebook. So, this will be a Barbie-themed make-mine music, clearly. In pink text. She took notes in pink text. Uh- <laughs> i was just showing Callie the color of my notes oh <laughs> uh, well that's wonderful because uh i believe i'm the one doing the summary you for are this. so let me drink my pink water and drink your pink water and tell me tell me what
0: happened in this movie that i watched uh definitely in advance
1: definitely in advance uh-huh. all right so
0: the vacuum's running again
1: <laughs> released in 1946 make my music is another cobbled together series of unrelated shorts that somehow follow some thin theme from the quite forgettable package era of disney films disney's studio was filled with ideas left on the cutting room floor as animators were pulled to help with the wartime effort u.s government training and propaganda films rather than figure out a cohesive plot for this movie Disney needed to spend its time animating Donald Duck building shells for the Nazis and forming the shape of a swastika with his body. This is real. It's a short called De Führer's Face, and it came out in 1943, and I encourage everyone to look it up. (laughs) This is what I was talking about with my new Disney thing. I watched this short. It's less than 10 minutes long. You can find it on YouTube. And it is like, it is anti-Nazi propaganda. And I honestly, I think it's, it's dated, but it's kind of funny. I think Um, I've either
0: heard of or seen clips of that.
1: Yeah. You probably have seen clips of it too. Uh, And also if you've seen any type of still or screenshot of Donald Duck um, doing the Nazi salute, this is where it comes from.
0: That I, yep. That I have seen clips.
1: Yep. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) for context, donald is forcefully uh doing stuff for the nazis uh he is definitely not there of his own free will so before we think that disney is a nazi uh apologist in any way um we know that his last films were uh at least slightly to the contrary to the public (laughs) but let's return to the present and the film we're about to discuss okay When viewing this through a modern lens, Make Mine Music poses two questions to the audience. Question one, what is being made music? The possessive of mine indicates that this is a response to a question. And question two, why is this the only Disney animated feature that isn't released on Disney Plus? It's a great question. Yeah, these are honestly both good questions. Uh, But... I would like to get into the plot, quote unquote, of the 10 segments that make up the uncut version of Make Mine Music in an attempt to get to the bottom of these mysteries. So unlike Fantasia, Saludos Amigos, or The Three Caballeros, there isn't even a whisper of a through line in Make Mine Music. The movie opens with credits touting all the great long dead singers and voice artists that appear. Which I, I don't know about you, but when I was watching this, I thought it made it seem like there was going to be one cohesive plot that I was about to watch.
0: I I don't think I got that impression, but I got the feeling that it would at least be way less disjointed than it turned out to be.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we see these, uh, these credits roll while the title song, Make Mine Music, plays in the background and answers no questions. This is true. The lyrics seem to indicate that the mine might be an outlook on life or perhaps a request for a season, as the lyrics include, make mine music and my heart will sing and mine music and it's always spring. We cannot ponder this for long as we are thrust into the first in a very long series of segments that will take us on a roller coaster of emotions, (laughs) the Martins and the Coys, a rustic ballad. Jesus Christ. If Quentin Tarantino directed a film based off of the Hatfields and McCoy's rivalry, this would be it. Down to a token hot female who is probably Wendy, the fast food joint's mother. (laughs) There are so many gigantic exposed feet in this short about clones not liking each other because they have slightly different hair colors and overalls. Yep. The song describes the action that takes place, which is two rival families blasting the living fuck out of each other with all the guns this side of West Virginia, Only two until only two people from each side are left. And lucky for us, they're hot. As the sole attractive members of their clans, naturally, they fall in love. This is to the great disgust of their dead relatives who watch down on them from heaven, but come on. Who among us can say they haven't dated their family's blood rival? <laughs> Sometimes the heart wants what it wants. And in the case of this short, the heart wants violence. The happy <laughs> couple wed and immediately fall into a wonderful toxic pattern of domestic abuse. Because you can take the girl out of her podunk, gun touting barefoot family. But you can't take the podunk gun feet out of the... Um, Oh wait, that that got away from me there. But you can take this short out of the year 2000 VHS slash DVD release of Make Mine Music, which was actually done due to excessive gun violence. Which, wow, the times have changed. Yep. But soft, let's immediately destroy the manic, upbeat tone the Martins and the Coys set up and plummet down into the next segment, Blue Bayou. A tone poem not tone. good enough for Fantasia. <laughs> what'd you say?
0: I just said tone poem in a weird. Tone. I just said tone poem
1: a tone poem a tone honest poem. honestly, that's kind of fun to say. it is
0: <laughs> please continue
1: so <laughs> this was not good enough for Fantasia, but good enough to reuse animation meant for a different song, Claire de lune. This short is Picasso's blue period if he spent it in the Louisiana bayou snoring next to his canvas. Mm -hmm. I guess Disney expected everyone to fall asleep because they jolt us awake with the next segment, All the Cats Join In, a jazz interlude. I watched this entire segment and was highly disappointed by the lack of cats. All I saw was a pencil drawing, horny... all I saw was a pencil drawing horny teenagers from Riverdale dancing up a storm in a malt shop. Nary a cat to be seen, aside from the one in the intro. The segment that was quickly erased in favor of a lame, disnified Archie. Notably, this segment was also censored from the year two thousand VHS DVD release due to a female character taking a shower and showing a hint of side boob when she dries herself off. We all and know that as da- a child. Yeah. We all know the dangers of side boob, or as it's better known, giving Satan the old titty wink. (laughs) Should we keep up this momentum and conga into the next segment? Oh, instead, we're once again uplifted into a jazzy tizzy before being brought down into a depressing bog of sadness, as without you, a ballad in blue shows boring backdrops and abstract meanderings to a song about a codependent stalker who clearly lives in the woods and does all kinds of hallucinogens. Anyway, let's just leave that to linger like the end of that segment and get the audience's heart rate up once more as we watch Casey at the Bat, a musical recitation. Proto-Gaston plays (laughs) baseball poorly as his buddy LeFou attempts to coach the team by flashing them. No one's head as no one's heads as incredibly thick as Proto-Gaston's as he spends all of his time peacocking before losing the game, his reputation, and all of the pussy that was waiting for him in the stands. Not all love is lost as our next incorrectly named short graces our screen with rotoscoped lovers intertwined in an acid trip ballet two silhouettes ballad ballad ballet features a rotoscoped couple performing a ballet to dinah shore's lovely voice there are four characters that are seen in silhouette two cherubs and the two dancers so i will die on this very small hill that the title is factually inaccurate this is true we leave the scene of lovebirds and move straight into the gaping, dangerous maw of Peter and the Wolf, a fairy tale with music. Uh, this is one of the most disnified animated segments in Make Mine Music, as it crafts a visual around the musical composition as narrated by Winnie the Pooh, Sterling Holloway. We get to watch a precocious child think he can take on a full-grown wolf with the help of his random assortment of Snow White's animal friend rejects. A dumb (laughs) duck, a bald bird, and a capable cat join a four-year-old and his pop gun in the quest for the big bad wolf. So, eventually, Peter ends up actually besting the wolf off-screen. And the whole town celebrates the fact that a preschooler took care of a threat that has plagued the village for a long time and presumably killed grown adults. And finally, let's awkwardly transition away into what feels like a series of three Fantasia rejects, starting with After You've Gone, and now the Goodman Quartet. This is a bizarre abstract acid trip where anthropomorphized instruments dick around on the musical equivalent of Mario's Rainbow Road. (laughs) I I don't know, man. This short had fingers turning into naked ladies' lower halves that flashed and danced on a keyboard road and a gooey clarinet shedding its skin to use as a parachute. It's fucking weird. Yes, it is. Speaking of weird, our next Fantasia reject is an emotional journey that someone thought up while bored at a hat shop called Johnny Fedora and Alice Bluebonnet, a love story. This is a straightforward tale of two hats that meet and fall in love while while in the front window display of a hat shop uh, before they're separated because they're hats. So like their entire purpose is to just be sold separately. If you listen closely and read between the lines, it's obvious this whole plot was brought about when Mickey's sorcerer, Yen Sid, walked by the shop one day and decided he hated love so he'd magic the hats into having personalities and falling for each other. But love is only a little of a battlefield as Johnny Fedora tears himself apart looking for his lost love as only a hat can, ineffectively and reliant on the wind. The short has to wrap up, however, so luckily this love story has a happy ending as both hats find themselves slightly mutilated but atop horses that are standing next to each other. And I guess their love can live on that way. Forever. Finally, forever. Finally, we get into the last Fantasia reject of the night, and also the most depressing segment in a film that wants you to feel every emotion under the sun. The Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met. Opera Pathétique. This is literally introduced as a tragic tale, so get your tissues ready as we get to watch the folly of man destroy a beautiful animal in a Disney film yet again. This short shows Monstro the Whale's cousin, Willie, learn that he should have listened to Bambi's dad's warning and stay away from man. Willie the Whale is a good boy who just wants to sing his giant heart out and bring delight to all creatures by singing opera with his three distinct vocals. Unfortunately, a very dumb and greedy opera showman with a very stupid name, Teti Tati, decides that this mm-hmm. only the only explanation is that this whale swallowed three opera singers and they're crying out for help through the medium of song, I guess? So... Tetitati does what any red blooded human would do when faced with the unknown. He tries to kill it under the guise of saving humans. Willie and the three se- seamen that were hired to charter a whaling vessel do their best to convince Tetitati that he is no threat. And Willie goes on to live an amazing life as an operatic star, performing in the biggest costumes on the biggest stage of the Metropolitan Opera House. Unfortunately, this was all a Jacob's Ladder style fantasy. As the bull-headed Teti Tati decides, nah, can't be natural. Got to kill that whale and get the singers out of its belly, I guess. And shoots Willie with a spear gun. Make Mine Music ends with Willie as a ghost, whale angel baby. Selling out shows in heaven with a hundred voices to back him up. So now that we know about the plot to Make Mine Music, how about we answer those questions posed at the beginning of the longest summary I've ever written. And I'm very curious how long it took for me to read that. <laughs> uh
0: not gonna lie the answer was too long uh yes. it was about seven and a half minutes and I think that we should never have a summary that long again <laughs> yeah no this offense was a lot. <laughs> that was too long um there was a lot that happened but yeah now we have to go back through it all
1: we're going to have to discuss all of it um but to like to kind of summarize those like couple of questions that I had <clears throat> so what is the mine in make mine music i don't know i don't know it's never really made clear so my best my best guess is if you had to spend 76 minutes watching a film instead of thinking about your miserable life would you rather it be a talkie or a musical and like maybe that's the question that was posed and then the answer somebody said was make mine a talkie and someone else said make mine music I
0: have no idea. The title doesn't make any sense and neither does the title for the next movie contextually. It feels like they were trying to get sayings going that didn't end up catching on culturally.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's super bizarre. <clears throat> uh, and then that other question of why isn't this on Disney Plus? I wish I had an answer to that. Because... I don't know. Yeah, from what I can tell, there's nothing object- objectionable about this film. Really? Um, f- well, in this day and age... I don't think there's anything objectionable about this film that Disney couldn't either cut out because they already showed these films like segments separately, or add that warning to the beginning of it, like they literally did for half of their catalog.
0: Well, I think they'd have to remove the Martins and the Coys.
1: This is because of the gun.
0: Yeah, this is technically being you know advertised to children still, and I think that you know under those restrictions under those reasons that I don't think that short would fly today
1: I mean I guess that's fair I think from a like from an uh watching this as an adult um I guess I didn't really see anything in there where I was like this is worse than Looney Tunes you know
0: oh I don't think it's worse but I think you know I can completely see where like the MPAA or whatever would find that objectionable because it even says here in the wiki it was censored from the U.S. Uh, video release due to the objections to the film's depiction of gun violence yeah so I can see where that would still very much be in effect today
1: I mean that's a fair point
0: um well let's start talking about it um yeah. the first one uh as I mentioned was it's called the Martins and McCoys which is based on the Hatfield and the McCoy feud and seems equally as stupid to me
1: yeah and the the Hatfield and the McCoy feud was literally just uh some redneck families in like West Virginia who Mm -hmm. I think just didn't like each other so violence
0: (laughs) yeah basically and that's you know the the lead-in on this one here is that it's like yeah they just hated each other for so long and one day one of them tried to steal- i don't remember which direction it went like was it a a koi tried to steal eggs from the martins or something and the martins were like this they clearly live in a stand your ground territory because they just immediately opened fire
1: i will be honest i didn't care enough to, to pay attention to-
0: <laughs> i mean i didn't hear who it was but i saw that's how it started and <laughs> yeah. then they just started shooting
1: <laughs> and then they just started their guns a-blasting Maybe, yeah. maybe I was just distracted by the, like, crazy Sasquatch feet and the crazy um, drunk elder, the way that he walked. Yep, it's
0: that dude. That dude yeah. that went and tried to steal eggs. Yeah, there we go. Okay. I don't remember which side he was on, but whatever side he was on started it. And then it, quote unquote, ends, at least temporarily, when every single member of both sides is dead except for one left one of which is a dude that looks like he's the early ancestor of johnny bravo Mm -hmm. and the other girl is who i wrote down is built like retro barbie yeah
1: yeah the girl to me her hair it just looked like yes it really did look like wendy because she has red hair so she looks like the wendy's mascot Um, she does i also i also want to add like as people are listening they might be wondering how we actually watch this uh if
0: yeah because it's not on disney plus
1: yeah it's not on disney plus um and we obviously watch the uncut version of it so if you dear intrepid listener are interested in watching this as well Uh, I recommend Googling, (laughs) just Googling the uncut um, make mine music. There is a post on the Internet Archive where somebody somebody uploaded the Japanese uncut laser disc.
0: Yes. I wrote down in my notes that maybe this um, was censored in addition for gun violence for just being super stereotypical.
1: I want to believe that's true, but I feel like there's other Disney things that have been released that are also very stereotypical and probably true. should have been like, censored for that reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, the whole thing of this one is that they all shoot, the two of them are left, they see each other and fall in love because of course they do they get married and then the joke is that after they get got married everyone was like all the dead ancestors like oh they're not fighting anymore well jokes on you people this is a stereotypical terrible bad marriage full of domestic violence and they fight worse than everybody so they just keep beating on each other it's great everyone's happy
1: yeah everyone in heaven is so happy to watch their living descendants destroy each other
0: in marriage nonetheless in marriage aren't we glad that they're stuck in this horribly violent marriage congrats to us on our cloud made up of angry vengeance and violence <laughs>
1: for real well i mean i i will fully admit though that i did find that short more entertaining than the one right after it which is blue bayou
0: i think that this one would have been better with the original Claire de Lune score.
1: I agree. Um, I just was kind of bored by the entire thing. Yeah. All I wrote was Claire de
0: Lune would have been better and beautiful and boring. Yeah. Indistinguishable from opening coral is the other thing that I wrote.
1: And that's really true too. Um, I, I was like, let's watch a bird slowly walk around in darkness and then fly flight. oh good flight <laughs> like
0: and it's again it's this very slow crooning put you to sleep style choral song yeah but it ends pretty abruptly
1: they all end really
0: abruptly by the way but this one it's the first time it ends something ends kind of abruptly and you're like oh because it goes from this really soft gentle like into really fast like jitterbug um, jazz Mm
1: -hmm.
0: almost instantly
1: the the tonal shifts in this movie are just total whiplash they're completely wild yeah um and that and that's where it gets us into all the cats join in and like so I was telling Alexia that I did so many drawings for this because this was a really long movie there was just so many segments and I feel like there's a lot of stuff that maybe a lot of listeners probably can't see because they aren't going to watch the movie on their own you can't find it but i could not draw a thing for blue bayou i was just it was boring that board
0: it reminded me of the like going to bed sequence in bambi yes where that's all it was where it's like all right it's a bunch of beautiful animals going to
1: bed yeah it was a lullaby it was a lullaby it was a
0: lullaby and then it goes right into all the cats join in which i mentioned um is well they call it the you know they're the hep cat teens being swim swept away by pop music but it's you know the very big swing um dance numbers of the time Mm -hmm. which i thought was fun i actually i liked this segment i liked it a lot i wrote that it was cute animation that was fun and relevant to the time and that i want a malt shop today um that isn't to say that it isn't without issues it's you know the first thing that happens is that this girl gets a call from a boy and he's like hey come listen to this music and she's like "Yeah," and runs out on her babysitting job
1: so that's a good start yeah that was that was a great start um and we also have like the guy who makes the call he's just he doesn't have any money so he relies on the uh pencil god like this is yes. one of those shorts where the animators get to really play around with it which i think adds the fun to it
0: that is also true it was <clears throat> excuse me it was just a good time and i don't know anything about benny goodman and his orchestra but they seem to let me click on this right now actually to see <laughs> like what they sort of do yeah it's one of the first uh integrated jazz groups
1: Ooh, Well, that's pretty interesting yep
0: and exactly here's what i the words that i wanted popular swing big big band that's the music that i wanted um yeah yeah so that was his um that very much the influence of the score of that one
1: yeah and so it's kind of fun because we get to watch all of these uh 1940s teenagers just like hop into this kid's car on the way to the malt shop and i don't know if you if you notice this but they go by this one girl who she looks like a <gasps> she's just staring up into nowhere and so. she kind of looks like a character from like uh <gasps> hayo miyazaki anime or something like that
0: yeah, a little out of place
1: um and then when all of the kids are jamming at the malt shop, we get all of these like sequences of mm-hmm. of boys and girls dancing to, with each other, all different shapes and sizes. But within reason, because yes. there's a sequence where a boy is like, boy, I wish I had a dance partner. And, the pencil, and the pencil draws this girl and the girl, okay, maybe a, a slightly larger behind and the boy rejects her and she angrily looks at the pencil and the pencil erases part of her butt yeah it makes her smaller yeah and then he's like okay now i can find you attractive let's jam
0: yeah and she wasn't like sad about it or anything like oh he rejected me because she was like hey you fix this
1: fix my butt it's too big this isn't the
0: way it's supposed to be yeah (laughs) yeah and then of course you know they all just dance and dance and dance and dance after fat shaming the world and a pencil. Mm -hmm. And I guess the music just gets so loud that the jukebox explodes.
1: Yeah, I literally didn't write like what the ending was to this. And I realized as I was sitting here, how the hell does this thing end? That's how it ends. Yeah, (laughs) the okay, I guess exploding jukebox. That works.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then speaking of tone shifts, it goes right into yet another tone shift. This is the it's called without you. And it's one more, like, slow, lullaby-like, crooning-style songs. Mm -hmm. But unlike the others, which had some sort of visuals to them, this one is just, like, abstract art. Abstract animated music art. It's odd and boring.
1: It's odd and boring. And the lyrics make it really seem like this dude is just, like, super obsessive and stalkery like what part part of the lyrics are i'm so lonely and blue when i'm without you i don't know what i do sweetheart without you yep it just kind of felt like it was some guy staring through a rainy window at some woman who doesn't know that he's there as he's sending singing this to her this is like
0: the inspiration for um i'll be watching you Or every breath, like yeah, every breath you take, every breath you take. For people, I don't remember which one's the actual title of the song and which one's the one everyone knows it as. Yeah, both out there. Um, the only note I really wrote for this one is, are we missing a length quota? Like, I I didn't quite understand why this was thrown in. Again, there's a very strange tone shift here. It's just like, and you're up with um the Martins and the coys and immediately brought back down with Blue Bayou. And then you're hard back up again with all the cats join in, then immediately down again with Without You. And then we go right back into yet another up with Casey at the Bat.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't know what the deal was that huge tonal shift either and the fact that it was this way. Because because that's the other thing, at least from our research, there isn't a whole lot about the production no. of this. like There's a couple of these. If you look at the Wikipedia articles for some of these segments, it's literally just the segment name and then some pictures from it like there's no background as to why or what these segments are about and i i I think that casey at the bat was at least fun yeah it was it was
0: fun it was kind of it was it was hokey it was it had a plot to it that you could actually follow which was cool Mm -hmm. and a change from some of the other ones which are just kind of a little uh the past ones except for the first one have all been kind of abstracty so this one is like you know we're playing a football i mean football a baseball game (laughs) good morning (laughs) and there's this one superstar casey and everyone loves him as you said i even wrote in my notes too casey is guest on like everyone is obsessed with him he is like the big guy the big dude excellent drawing he had very pointy toes and an enormous chest and there's all this hype, all this hype, all this hype. Finally he gets to the bad, he got two bases loaded, and he strikes out.
1: Yeah. Like they see him as a god and then he just strikes out. I like the little coach
0: who was trying to hype them up and it was all yelling. Yep, you wrote him. And he yells yeah. at the
1: coach at the team. He's like, Unbutton your shirts. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's see those hairy, manly chests. It was just so ridiculous got a lot going
0: on here and apparently women do not like sports um not in this universe they don't at all but
1: they come to see casey i mean it's probably not the first time that i've heard women say i don't watch baseball for the baseball i watch it for the butts."
0: yeah but it's a specific but it's casey
1: i mean that's that's fair you saw the other players on that team
0: i did they were very (laughs) odd
1: they were very odd um There's, there's also a part in this short where there are a bunch of uh, um, people uh, in a band playing music for Casey as part of the, sh- the thing. And I had to draw the flautist because his lips are kind <laughs> of incredible. And yes. apparently all of the people in that band are um, supposed to be like Walt Disney and some of the other huh. animators from Disney. And I'm pretty sure that the flautist is supposed to be Disney interesting (laughs) so yeah that's a weird little like easter egg that's in this short but (laughs) there's not much in the short so (laughs) i guess that's it
0: (laughs) no and it's weird because so basically he strikes out not because the pitchers so good but because he like thinks he's too good so he ignores the first two pitches Yeah. So he, you know, gets called a strike on those, which I don't understand baseball very much, but I'm like, all right, you know, you choose to ignore two perfectly good pitches. That's a strike on you. Um, And after the first one, um, the umpire calls strike and like the crowd starts to fucking riot. And they only quiet down with, as the narrator says, Casey giving them a smile of Christian charity.
1: I wrote that down too. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't... maybe maybe these are too modern for me but isn't christian charity a bit of an oxymoron
0: (laughs) in this day and age yeah yeah, it was weird but also like it's the same sort of like toxic sports attitude that i don't like where it's like even if your player is wrong you're like like dude he just chose not to to swing for a perfectly acceptable pitch that's a strike umpire called yeah Tell your batter to get his shit together. Which he doesn't, by the way. He doesn't. He just strikes. He totally whiffs the last one. He ignores the first two, whiffs the third one, and then, well, next time we see him, he's chasing the ball around with his bat in the rain, completely unable to hit it.
1: Right? Like, this just is a story of failure.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And, And then the entire movie brings you right back down again with the next segment, which is two silhouettes, Again, and it's just slow song sung by this woman, Dina Shore, as two ballet dancers uh, and two cherubs dance around in silhouette.
1: Yeah, that pretty much sums up the four lines of notes that I also took. Yeah, that's all I I
0: did. And the other thing I wrote is the ups and downs of this film are a trip. They're, They're a super trip. Yeah, because if we go right back up kind of again, which is weird because the the inherent tone and tempo of Peter and the Wolf, I wouldn't say is upbeat. Like, if you're like, put me, like, play me an upbeat song, I wouldn't be like, Peter and the Wolf's a great choice. But mm-hmm. narratively presented with, you know, the narration of Sterling Holloway and animated the way that it is, this is definitely an upbeat number. So again, we're going right back up again from a super downer of two silhouettes to peter and the wolf which i have just said is narrated by Sterling holloway aka winnie the po-
1: yeah and honestly i feel like this was my favorite um actually this might this this and the whale who wanted to sing at the met are probably my two favorites of the uh make mine music and it's mostly because the animation itself mm-hmm. is super fun like i yeah. i i had to pick out like four different parts uh <laughs> um, like because her. i was just having fun oh i'm sorry five different parts from just this one short where i was doodling yeah i was just having so much fun with everything
0: it's a really fun one and i think that this is the this is one that i think many people have seen separately because i know that i have seen peter and the wolf this segment before but i've not seen this entire movie all the way through because i remember it i remember peter with his pop gun and his pink pants
1: yeah, and I absolutely remember, uh, like, the uh, really weird squiggly wolf and how kind of terrifying that was as a kid. Yeah,
0: like this extremely long nose. Mm-hmm. And it was very weird. Jesus, Lato. Well, both dogs <laughs> are going off now. Uh so yeah the plot of this one i think we all know the favorite the famous story peter uh wanders off with his pop gun and his pink pants into the forest and somehow manages to get the better half of a wolf
1: yep and along the way there's animal friends there's a duck that uh-huh. gets eaten not uh, eaten well but eaten eaten but this is disney so they are like no we need to bring the duck back
0: which was confusing because after she gets quote-unquote eaten in in the tree trunk they show a sad version of this duck in a duck heaven like waving goodbye to you and then later on when um the other bird sasha is mourning her she comes and joins him and
1: it's like oh you're not dead after all like what you show What? what yeah supposedly the bird uh, or the duck ended up hiding in a tree so the wolf could only get like a nibble of its tail but that doesn't really explain why the wolf also like licks his lips and gives up. (laughs) Right.
0: And it also doesn't explain why we saw Sonia the duck in duck heaven. Right. But yeah, we have Sasha who wears a hat a little bird that wears a hat. I like the hat. Mm -hmm. Sonia the duck and Ivan the cat who starts off by trying to eat Sasha but then when they are reprimanding him they are like, you scoundrel, and then they call him a cat in the grass, which I think is hilarious because he is a cat Yeah, so, like, uh correct, thank you
1: I calls it like I sees
0: it. Exactly, so they go in after this wolf, and the wolf almost has the better of them before we cut away, we like off screen to three adult hunters Mm mhm and then we cut back, and all of a sudden, it all is well?
1: Yeah, we we see this, you know, you're talking about, like, was there a time quota? And I have to wonder about that for Peter and the Wolf, too, because there's just this scene of three hunters walking through the snow, two big hunters, and one, like, small hunter squeezed between them. And like uh, he's
0: literally up to their, like, mid calves. when we say small. We mean, like, yeah, diminutive, fits under a hat.
1: Yeah, like he's literally held betwixt the buns of the first uh, hunter in the in the series, and it's true they don't do anything. Like we just kind of no. see them walking, and then they show up, and they're like, "Oh, wolf's done. Never mind." <laughs> yeah, the
0: end. Let's go home.
1: Yeah, to uh, Peter and H- Peter's responsible grandfather, who at the very
0: beginning of the film was being very responsible by telling Peter, "Don't fucking go in after this wolf, man. You're mm-hmm. a child.
1: Stop." But I guess the moral of the story is, kids, if you have a gun, don't listen to your grandfather. You'll go no, just, just do what you want. Go, yeah. get the, go get that wolf.
0: Go get that wolf. Uh, the next number is, after you've gone, for all I've written down for this is, uh, and as you said, this is another very jazzy, big bandy thing. But instead of a bunch of teenagers, it's like weirdly acid trippy, anthropomorphized just instruments and music waves and stuff including a set of finger like hands that turn into ladies fingers that do like a can-can routine and as you have drawn in your notes they
1: also have butts yes dancing fingers have butts dancing fingers as legs with butts and they also have fingernails as their little shoes yes and and then i thought well maybe i should draw more than just these weird naked butt fingers um so i also drew the slightly melty clarinet which i think is a closest we get to a sassy animal there's a
0: (coughs) (coughs) that does seem to be a very sassy clarinet oboe deal yeah but that's all i have written down for that um and then the next short is johnny fedora and alice blue bonnet which as you said is two hats that fall in love in an apartment store Get separated when the when Alice gets uh bought, and then eventually end up together again when they both end up next to the same like ca- worn by uh, a pair of carriage horses.
1: I was so freaking confused by this. I, 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 I understood the plot. I yes. was angry by the plot. <laughs> and- I yep go on what were you gonna say
0: <laughs> i was gonna say i agree
1: yeah um i did i did two drawings from this one one mm-hmm. is at the very beginning with the opening there's these very bizarre looking like sheriff, car- like drawings so freaking horrifying yes, And then i drew are. two hats kissing each other cute and in the in the song, uh they talk about how uh the blue bonnet hat was bought for twenty three ninety-four. How so much is that today? In today's dollars, that would be about four hundred six dollars.
0: <laughs> so that is a designer hat. I see.
1: Assumedly, or it's a oh, really okay. big indication of inflation.
0: Both. Both those things. <laughs>
1: Uh well, I have one completely useless fact about this movie that has nothing to do with the movie but the Andrews sisters. Okay. Um my grandfather's brother was married to Patty Andrews from the That's extremely funny. Yes. I was gonna say controversially,
0: I thought this number would also be better without vocals.
1: Well, I see we're going to have to end the podcast here just on familial (laughs) grounds, but (laughs) Not before talking about the whale who wanted to sing in the, at the met. met. Yes.
0: I like this number. I did too. As you said in your um, summary, it's about a whale who, because he has three uvulas, can sing in three different tones, but this dude, impresario Tetitati, thinks that he has swallowed three opera singers. And is determined to kill the whale to rescue them. So that's basically what happens in this. But in the beginning, they're doing the narrator's doing a thing where he's like, all these people are arguing, and then they just play <laughs> a bunch of dogs barking.
1: Yeah, which I, I, I really thought was great. Love that. I just love the beginning. Like if you if you look up um, the whale who wanted to sing at the Met on the Disney fandom, that has a bunch of uh, images. From mm-hmm. this episode, from this segment, and there's so many good ones. Like there's one of a professor mimicking a fish, and they both look like Muppets, and it's just <laughs> funny. Um, and, and I and I also loved like all of the hey people are trying to speculate on what this weird sound in the ocean is. Yes,
0: oh the old timey sort of jokes at what is this? Mm-hmm. But the guy Titi Tati, I wrote he's related to Stromboli from Pinocchio. He has that very obvious, like uh, gibberish Italian accent. Very, uh, yes, overdrawn in that. Definitely a character.
1: Yes. Oh, I just, I also just really loved the character design of Willie the whale. He's just yeah. so. He's, I kept running out of space when I wanted to draw him because he is so massive. He's a very
0: large character. I mean, he is a whale.
1: He's a whale. He is a whale. But he's like whale. so funny and cute and happy and he just he just wants to be the melodious mammal that they just wants
0: this wants to sing
1: yeah i it's interesting
0: i don't quite know what the moral of the story was because you know they go out tati tati takes these three sailors out and as soon as they hear willie sing the sailors are convinced they're trying <laughs> to like tackle Teti Tati, be like stop it yep yeah. dr- they're super enamored by this whole thing they are loving this concert and they show a like what if style montage where they show what would happen if like Teti Tati was convinced and they're like all making money and Willie's singing all these sold out venues and everything's good and everything's happy and then this loon balloon runs over and harpoons this whale to death
1: he had a bad idea in the first place. Several people tried to stop him. Yep. And he kept going, "Nope, I am insistent that there are three opera singers stuck at the bottom of this whale and the only way to get them out is to kill the whale and let the whale drown at the bottom of the ocean so that I guess they can then swim out?" Right, like, that was the plan.
0: What's the rescue plan here?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I did like that the um final the what if segment did give us a handful of different operatic numbers mm-hmm. that we got to hear perform. So I really liked that portion.
1: Do you want to name off what those operatic, uh, sequences I, were?
0: I do have them here from the wiki. So please, nobody think that I had this in my brain. <laughs> uh, the whale saying shorten and bread, which was a pretty popular song at the time. I recognize that because Ethel sings that, uh, at one point in, um, I love Lucy. Mm hmm. There's also Lagro El Factorum from The Barber of Seville. He does the first part of the sextet from Donizetti's opera Lucia di Lamemore, and Magda Himmel Oig Verbergen from Friedrich Wilhelm Ries' opera Martha.
1: Yeah. And when we're seeing the kind of montage of things, we also get to see him uh, doing performances from uh, Pagliotti. Pagliacci, Tristan that- and Isolde, and Mephistopheles too. Yes,
0: I liked Mephistopheles the best. I, I,
1: yeah, same. And I liked that he made the cover of Time magazine dressed as Mephistopheles.
0: Yes, <laughs> and true. then and then we it all comes to an end. And then exactly as confusingly as this movie has operated the entire time, it once again just like ends. It's just
1: like yeah, yep, like. We literally, our last shot is is of an angel whale in heaven singing, singing his tiny giant heart out. Yep,
0: to a sold out heaven concert.
1: Yeah, May- maybe we're to assume that all of the characters from the previous <clears throat> segments are all in heaven and watching Willie the whale.
0: All the Martins and the Coys.
1: Can you imagine the Martins and the Coys like actually sitting down to opera with their bare feet?
0: Right to see Tristan and Isolde. Yeah, <laughs> jeez it'd be it'd be fun turns out the one thing they have in in common is the love of the opera
1: oh if <laughs> only we could all have such high class tastes i bet right? i bet they're up there with um the two old men from like the muppets oh uh statler and waldorf yeah
0: Just princess is trying to be that. both of them right now oh no <laughs> barking out in the hallway uh do you have anything else in the movie before we ask the eternal questions
1: no okay I have, I have nothing else for this movie
0: all right so did you like fun and uh make mm, make my music and do you recommend it
1: i i 50 50 liked it but i do recommend it because for the sole reason that you Cannot find it on Disney Plus, so I think that it's like just worth watching as a bit of a like, oh, what an interesting thing factor, yeah.
0: So, predictably, I did not like it, and I did not, I do not recommend it. I think that the relevant shorts can be watched separately online, and the rest of them can be ignored. You can totally watch The Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met online, you can definitely see Casey at the Bat online and i personally really really liked all the cats join in but i do have a soft spot for that like era and that music and stuff so that that's yeah that's me i'm, I'm keeping in trend again we're gonna head into the era of movies that i like and recommend we will we will i promise this isn't a continual thing but for now mm, no <laughs>
1: well we we are going to actually get into movies that are like recognizable like we'll say the titles and they're recognizable yes great
0: but speaking of titles that are recognizable though what are we doing next week
1: uh well you're probably not going to recognize this title but you might recognize some of the sequence uh from it probably and probably (laughs) we are going to be watching fun and fancy free which is another package era film uh with only two segments to get through this time one called bongo and the other called mickey and the beanstalk which I also
0: know I've seen independently from this movie because I've never seen this movie, but mm-hmm. I know I've seen that segment.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like Mickey and the Beanstalk <clears throat> is going to be super recognizable.
0: I'm also just now realizing, I'm sorry, I can't actually see you from the angle that I trim my microphone to. I think I cut you off earlier because I can sometimes see you start to talk before I can hear you. <laughs> I apologize.
1: Well, that's not a worry at all. Uh, that's what editing is for. And we well, can I'm always not going to edit just... that at all. Ah, well, shame then. Uh, (laughs) Y'all get to listen to this podcast raw and unedited and uncut, unlike (laughs) Make Mine Music.
0: This is true. Uh, Ooh, my voice is cracked. Anything else before I go and go through puberty again?
1: Uh, No, I don't think so. But I do (laughs) think that I'm going to have to tell you as you are going through puberty. Okay. So long, Glamour Boys. (laughs) So ah, I'm a voice.
0: Damsels who discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nests Podcast. Your hosts are Galli Articola and Alexia Thurumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss, all one word.
1: On Instagram at instagram.com slash damsels who discuss, all one word again. And on
0: Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit.
1: Or you can also email us at damselswhodiscuss at gmail.com. So long, Glamour Boys! So long, Glamour Boys!